0: Hello, friends, and happy November. I hope this finds you happy, healthy, and thriving wherever you are. I'm your host, Andrew Skotsko, and this is Make Things That Matter, where we explore how to apply science to unleash creative performance and thriving teams at work. Basically, this is a show exploring how to be creatively prolific and thrive while you're doing it, but grounded in science and rigorous approaches rather than just the woo. Now, I can't believe that I'm saying this, but it has been two years now that this podcast has been alive in the world. The first episode dropped on November 5th, 2019, and it's been almost four years since I first started thinking about the podcast idea after a slightly hungover New Year's Day brainstorm around a friend's kitchen table. That blows my mind. It has been such a rewarding and challenging journey so far, and I thought I just wanted to take a minute to look back on the second year of the podcast and talk about three things. First, I want to share several lessons I learned in year two, six lessons specifically. I also want to talk about a couple of my favorite episodes and what most impacted me from them. And I want to share some updates with you about what you can expect in the show going forward. Okay, let's start with some lessons from year two of the podcast, six lessons. Lesson number one, start then learn. Now, I really wish I'd started the podcast sooner. Now, it's an easy thing to know cognitively, but it is much harder to face down an actual experience. I've said this to many people who are interested in doing a podcast and who have come to talk to me about it, but now I'm also reminding myself, you could always change it later. Of course it's going to change. It's fine. I spent almost two years thinking about and toying with the idea of this show before I ever put it live on the internet. In retrospect, I really wish I'd done what every single advisor said, which is what I'm saying now, start, then learn. Which leads me to my second big lesson from year two. Lesson number two, clarity comes through creation, not the other way around. I'm going to say that again. Clarity comes through creation, not the other way around. This is another one that's really easy to know and super hard to live. It is a cognitive versus emotional challenge. It's really scary to not know and to take action anyway. As Brene Brown would say, that's vulnerability, showing up when we don't know or control the outcome. I want to give a shout out to George Cow for this one. He's someone whose material is new to me, but is really helping me think about creating content and putting things in the world in a way that feels authentic and good to me. Historically, I'm not a big fan of social media and have struggled to feel authentic engaging with it. And his stuff is not only good, but it's actually really helpful. Check him out at the link in show notes. Now, I am incredibly guilty of this one. I totally have a tendency to overanalyze as a way of regulating fear and the anxiety of navigating the unknown in an uncertain future. The emotional logic goes something like this. If I can just figure out the, you know, quote unquote right answer in advance, everything will be smooth and I won't have to deal with any failure. And everybody will love me. Nicole Lepera, who's the author of the must-read book, How to Do the Work, has a great Instagram post on this that I've linked to in show notes, as well as her book. So I'm calling myself out here. And it turns out, it's not only more productive, it's a lot more adaptive from a mental health point of view to learn to feel and regulate the underlying fear and anxiety directly, and then get on with whatever you want to create. I think Elizabeth Gilbert talks about it as saying, okay, fear, you can sit on a chair in the corner and be part of the conversation, but you don't get to steer the ship anymore. I know I'm not saying anything groundbreaking here, but the whole feel the fear and do it anyway. It's just one of those truisms and cliches that when it smacks you in the face in your own life, you just have to acknowledge it. And so that's, this is me doing that right now. The process of creating the show, going on the exploratory learning journey that is this show, now that is actually what has yielded the clarity on where I'm going next and what I want to build next. Um, Not in any final sense, it's always evolving, but it's just a really good lesson that clarity comes through creation and the creative process, not before the process. Okay, moving on to lesson number three, whatever you're doing, the format matters way more than you realize up front, or at least more than I realized up front, and often in non-obvious ways. This is a really easy one to overlook in podcasting, for example. Lots of people want to do a podcast, but most shows fizzle out after like five episodes, Now, talking to cool people about interesting ideas, that's fun. Many people like that. Everybody wants to do that. What snags people is that they don't realize all the other stuff that goes into producing a podcast in terms of pre and post production, admin, scheduling, booking, etc. Even if you have a simplified show format that is not a super high production value like NPR, it's still a lot and a lot more than you realize from the outside. What's the lesson? The lesson is think hard about how you're going to make the format of what you're doing sustainable. What's going to make it something you can do for an indefinite period of time? What would make it something you could do enjoyably for, say, five years? 2021 was actually a much more challenging year for me than 2020, and that goes for year two of the podcast as well. As Seth Godin says, the second year of this show was the dip. I almost quit doing the show several times. So let's talk about the lesson about what kept me going, which is number four, output milestones. The last episode before this one was episode number 50. Now, that is a milestone I was not sure I'd ever reach. Some of you listening have listened to every single episode along the way. And by the way, I want to say thank you so, so much. I so appreciate you sharing this journey with me. And on that note, it means so much to me when I get to hear from you how this show is impacting you, where it's reaching you. Every tweet or email I receive is really meaningful to me. So thank you to all of you who have taken a moment to share your thoughts with me. Following the episode 50 milestone, I took a short hiatus from producing the show over the last two months to reflect and to recharge and think about where do I want to go next? This is a creative process trick I found really useful, which is committing to a certain amount of output at certain milestones. Now, what does that look like? When I first started the show, I said, you know what, I don't know if I'm gonna like this. I'll give it 10 episodes and then I'll see if I wanna continue. I, but I can't quit before 10, even if I want to. But after that milestone, I get to reassess. Now, that sort of thing has proved to be very, very helpful because there are always times when you wanna quit. Heck, there were two times in the last year when this show almost died. So my first commitment was to 10 episodes. After 10, I upped it to 25, then to 50, and now I'm re-upping my commitment to 75. By the time I get to 75, I will almost certainly keep going, but that's my promise for now. And doing this sort of thing is actually a good way to get deep enough into something to see if you actually like it, and to force you to wade through all the crap you didn't think of when you first conceived of the concept. All that stuff that goes into producing a podcast that you didn't realize until you produced a podcast, for example. To use another common example, if you want to do a newsletter, commit to, say, once a week for 10 weeks, and then reassess. Simple, but not easy. All right, moving on to lesson number five, which is explore widely, build narrowly. Now, if it wasn't already super obvious, I am an incredibly curious person with a wide range of interests, and I really like learning and exploring that way. It is super energizing for me. Now, that's great, but it does not work when you want to build products, which is what I actually spend the majority of my professional time doing. Great products are focused, they are opinionated, and they solve specific problems for specific people. The way I'm walking this tightrope is to use the podcast and writing I do as a vehicle to explore widely, and then to slice off narrow, focused pieces that I can actually go build against. If you're someone who also struggles with being helplessly curious and trying to balance that curiosity against creating focused work, consider how you might use different vehicles to meet those different needs. Turns out, I don't have to get all my itches scratched in the same place. By the way, this also turns out to be really good relationship advice. Your relationship partner does not have to be the place you get every single need met, and they probably shouldn't be. That's too much to put on one person in the relationship. And one more lesson. Lesson number six, text scales better than audio. Now, this one might be really obvious, but somehow I missed it. And this is one that's hard to overstate. Writing is powerful, and the internet is still fundamentally text-based. I now think of the long-form interviews on the show as a way to explore territory and discover new ideas which can then be extracted, repackaged, polished, explored more deeply, and repurposed in other ways. For example, maybe it's extracting one key idea from a whole long conversation and going deep on it in an essay. Now, what really brought this home for me was seeing the different levels of response I got to all of the audio content I've created compared with one single, well-done, long-form piece of writing. Back in January, I wrote a piece called How to Know If You're Interviewing at a Product-Led Company. I had a feeling I was onto something with that article, but I was really surprised at the response. That thing got significant traction within my professional space of product management. That one article has been distributed more widely than anything else I've done in the last two years. And a huge reason for that is that it's text and not audio. But the ideas in it came directly from the conversations on the podcast. Now you'll start to see this reflected in the format of the show going forward, where there's gonna be different types of episodes rather than just the long form interviews. I'll talk about that more in a minute, but specifically I'll say that I'll be publishing more audio essays. These are where... I'll be writing an article and then I'll also publish an audio version of that article on the feed so that people can interact with the ideas in whatever way they see fit. Just like some people want to read a paperback and some people want to listen to an audiobook, let people engage however it works best for them. By the way, if you'd like to get those in written form, sign up at the link in show notes and they'll be emailed to you as soon as they drop. Okay, switching gears, I want to share a couple of the episodes from the second year of the show which have most impacted my thinking. I'm proud of all the episodes in year two, but at something like this, I want to highlight the ones that I think are, are less obvious um, and maybe more subtle in their impact. This past, year, this past year, I really pushed into a lot more product and craft-focused content. For example, on the product management front, there were terrific explorations with folks like Melissa Perry, Marty Kagan, and Teresa Torres, among many others. These are excellent conversations to check out, and I highly recommend you do so. But if I had to pick just three episodes that really changed my thinking in a new way this year, it would be these three. First, I want to say episode 50 with Bo Burlingham. I cannot think of anyone whose work has more shaped my mental models and worldview of how business can be and ought to be than Bo. It was a real pleasure to get to spend some time with him. To me, Bo is the OG thinker on building a meaningful business that matters. Secondly, I want to highlight episode 43 with Courtney Bigginy. I am absolutely in love with the idea that she's created with positive product design, which we link to this all the stuff in the show notes, by the way. Positive product design is this idea of creating a framework that enables product teams to actually assess in a science-backed way if they're having the psychological impact on their users that they intend. I think that is wonderful. I'm even starting to think of it as a way of kind of having a secondary North Star. You know, you have your your business metrics or whatever um, specific business type outcome you're trying to drive for your users. But then there's also How am I impacting these people and their psychology as we're doing this? That's a really important question that has not gotten the attention it deserves. And finally, I'm going to highlight the two episodes I shared on the ARM model around fulfilling work, which are episodes 42 and 48. I want to call out two things specifically, the ARM model itself from the first episode and the idea of your verbs from the second episode. I want to give full credit to Haley Darden for the verbs idea. She shared it with me in some one-on-one conversations, and she goes deeper on it at the link in the show notes. I will say this verbs idea paired up with the R model itself has become something I think about probably every single day. It's really helping me shape and craft my day-to-day work experience to be more engaging, exciting, fun, and better leverage my strengths. And it's really, really useful. So that's one that I really want to call out. If you're thinking through any sort of career decision or how to make the day-to-day of your work better, I strongly suggest going back and listening to those two short episodes. I think they're like 20 minutes in total. It turns out in the time since I articulated the ARM model or first came up with it about a year and a half ago, I've engaged very deeply with the research around careers and meaning and motivation, et cetera. And I've come to realize the model is actually an even more useful synthesis than I originally thought it was. Like... It tracks with the best of what science has figured out about this stuff. So I actually feel even more confident about that model. And if you haven't listened to it, go back, check it out. Let's close this out with some brief updates about the show's structure and direction going forward and what you can expect. As I alluded to earlier, I'm going to make some tweaks to the format and the type of content on the show going forward. Going forward, you can expect a mix of long form interviews with guests as well as much shorter and condensed ideas. Some of these shorter episodes will be me sharing a written piece in audio format like I mentioned earlier. Some will be me extracting a great portion of a longer conversation and providing more commentary and depth around it. You know, we'll see how it evolves. Cadence-wise, I plan to generally publish every two weeks. That may change as I test out and try and streamline the production of these different formats, but that's what I'm going with for now. In terms of content, you can expect a deeper alignment and integration among the ideas presented here. As I mentioned, one of the things I'm most grateful for about the podcast is it's an opportunity to go on a learning journey out loud, to explore my interests widely and to see what resonates and emerges over time Uh, not and do that in conversation, not just with my guests, but with this larger audience. And I really appreciate that kind of engagement. I've, some of you may know this already, but I've been in my own broader transitional process around the focus of my work. And I'm in the middle of what I would say is a high level pivot from working on environmental challenges, which is what I've really worked on for the last four to five years to working on unleashing human creativity in and around the workplace. I sense that is going to be the future direction for the primary focus for my work going forward. That shift's been incubating for a long time, and it's really starting to accelerate for me. Part of that will show up here on the podcast, where you can already see this starting to show in a more clearly defined tagline of the show. That tagline currently is, using science to unleash creative performance and thriving teams. Now that may change, but I think you get the gist of what I'm saying here. I'll be striving to make all the content I share relevant, evidence-based, and actionable, and all of it aimed in this general direction of unleashing creative performance and thriving at work for ourselves and our teams. And this is deeply aligned with my personal sense of direction, which is all about exploring what's possible to help people thrive in their self expression and bring their gifts into the world. Underneath all this stuff, that's what I care about. That's what's driving me. And, you know, that's my why in the Simon Sinek sense of things. And as adults, the primary vehicle for our self expression is our work. So the workplace is the domain I'm focusing on. And I'm really grateful to this podcast because I didn't, you know, going back to clarity through creation, but not before it, that did not become clear to me except by doing this podcast and seeing where it took me and where the ideas resonated and what I really resonated with. You know, there was moments where it just, you know, a conversation I was having around a topic just hit me so hard emotionally that I was like, whoa, okay, this, this matters to me. And I didn't fully realize it did. And so, as I said, the workplace is the domain I'm focusing on, and I'm currently exploring a lot around how do people learn, create, and collaborate in the workplace to make things that matter, hence the show name as well. In the background of all this out loud exploration, I'm looking for what I can build. I'm trying to productize the insights of, co- of the cognitive and behavioral sciences to unleash creative performance at and through our work. In many ways, the show is my invitation to you to come along for this exploration of how to build the kind of world I really want to see. This is the world that I'm dedicating my career towards moving forward. It's a world where everyone wakes up excited. It's a world where people get to spend their day developing, expressing who they are, making their unique contribution to the world in service of something meaningful and end the day feeling fulfilled by who they got to be and inspired for tomorrow. Now, being a vehicle for broader exploration, the show will still roam around in its topics, but I can say with confidence that if you're interested in creativity, if you're interested in performance and thriving with people as you do all that, you're going to be interested in coming on this ride and seeing where the show goes. So thank you so much for listening and sharing this journey with me so far. I hope you continue to come on this ride with me and I'm looking forward to it. So as always, please let me know on Twitter or via email what strikes a chord with you and here's to the next year of exploration and creation together. See you out there, my friends. Go make something that matters. thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, I'd be so grateful if you could do me a favor and take about 25 seconds to leave a rating and review on Apple podcasts. That helps me reach way more listeners. And it also helps me bring you more great guests. As always, please feel free to reach out to me anytime at connect at make things And until next time, my friends leave them better than you found them. See you out there.